Hi, I'm Andy Morgan, and you're listening to the RipBody.com podcast. In this episode, I'm answering your questions that you posted on the RipBody.com family um, Facebook group. You're free to join if you want to do that. Um, I have a Q&A each week, uh, and I do it Thursday morning, my time. Um, this time, I've opted to do it uh, on the podcast. So thank you to everyone that asked your questions. Let's dive right in. Okay, first question. What are the updates that you said you've been working on for the website? Okay, so a big update that I've made, this is to ripbody.com, is the menu. I've simplified the menus. I've had the back end completely recoded so that it now loads nearly twice as fast. The, um, the top bar menu itself now has a nice scroll feature. It's easier to share the posts. Um, the results page, so that's ripbody.com forward slash results, has been completely revamped, so it's no longer a nightmare to load. Um, <laughs> I hope you like that. Um, if you just go on there, you can click any of the photos and a box will pop up and you can scroll through each client's story. That's something I've been wanting to do for a while. My inspirations to this were James Clear of jamesclear.com and uh, Mark Manson of markmanson.net. Uh, they're both really good authors and bloggers. And um, I just want to say thanks to them for their uh, inspiration and, and James for his uh, advice with that. Okay, next question. Who do I have coming up on the podcast? All right, great question. For this, I have um, Joseph Agu. He is a uh, sports nutritionist in the UK. He works with athletes. Um, I've also asked uh, Luca uh, Hosevar. I, really, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Luca Hosevar. Um, he has a gym just outside of Seattle. Um, a great gym. Fantastic gym. Um, it is, <laughs> yeah, I went there um, when I was just on a trip to the States and... Um, I loved it. Fantastic. Vigor Ground Fitness, it is called, if you want to check it out. I think it's the best gym I've ever walked into. Superb job. I want to dig in with him about how he did that and his story there. Um, also, I have uh, Patrick Umphrey. Um, he's got the exceptionally popular Facebook group um, called Eat, Train, Progress. I'm going to get Patrick on. Patrick, he wrote a guest article for us um, on the website about mindless eating. That's forward slash mindless hyphen eating. Um, yeah, so if that interests you, check that out. Okay, Jason Helms asks, will Keith actually show up tomorrow? What are the odds? <laughs> All right, okay, so this is referring to um, a post that I put up um, just yesterday when um, my friend didn't turn up to the gym for the third time um, this week. I wake up at 5.20 every morning so that I can get to the gym and train with him at 6. And this is so that he can then take his son to school. So there's no need for me, a single guy, to do that. And it's been killing my social life in Tokyo. Anyway, um, he didn't turn up again. I knew he wasn't going to turn up. So I decided to take an, a, a stuffed toy alpaca in his place. And... Um, I then pranked him on uh, Facebook and Instagram. If you want to have a look over on Instagram, um, just type in hashtag cookie the alpaca and you can see the hilarity that ensued there. All right. On to the fitness questions. 
Shiriram. Uh, thank you for the question, Shiriram. He asks, newbie gains can be lost as quickly as they come, question, or do they take just as long to go away as a season lifter? Um, I would think that the gains come, um, I would think that the losses happen at the same rate as the experienced lifter. Um, but the gains just happen faster. Now, the this is in terms of muscle mass. Now, when it comes to strength, um, strength will probably be lost just as quickly um, as it came, but that will be a temporary thing, and it will be gained back um, very quickly. So all of you listening to this, you lift. Now, you go away for a couple of weeks on holiday, you come back, you get in the gym, and you have a terrible week. Right, you you can't lift as much, and that's just your that's just how it is. Just for that week, you'll be weaker. The following week after, you'll be back to normal, typically speaking. So don't worry about that. Uh, Karen asks, "What is my favorite lifting tunes and or podcasts?" Okay, favorite. Li- I'm I'm a bit lazy with my podcast playlist, so I just have the same things on again and again and again. Um, <laughs> if I need a kick up the ass, it's a session by The Offspring. Um, I don't listen to them anymore. Um, they went a bit shit around 10 years ago, um, probably longer. But um, this is one of their old, old, old songs. Um, it's just great. <laughs> it's really good. Um, podcasts. Um, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. I really like that one. Um, I like Noah Kagan's podcast. I like Noah Kagan in general. That's not a fitness podcast. Um, it's more about business, but I find him really useful. I did enjoy uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's um, podcast, but he's Daily V. But, you know, you, you, if you listen to it for a month, you kind of get the point of that. But if you um, need inspiration, you're looking for ideas, or you need a kick, a kick up the ass. And to get things done, if you find yourself procrastinating, that's a good one. Aman Gujar asks, after around four to five hours into my fast, I get acid reflux heartburn. I used to use baking soda, but I heard that it makes mess with blood pressure. Any way to solve this? I don't know, Aman. I'm sorry. This is something to ask your doctor, mate. Garrett, due to work or family obligations, at least a couple of times a week, I lift late, like 10 p.m., sometimes 11 p.m. Any advice on nutrition this late? I've tried the biggest meal after lifting, as per lean gains. A huge meal at 11 or midnight doesn't settle well for me, and I toss and turn and don't get any sleep. Okay, yeah, so this is a good one. So some people, they will find that they can eat a big meal before bed, and it puts them to sleep like a baby. Um, for those of you that have a big afternoon, uh, big lunch, you might find that you get an, a dip in the afternoon as well after having a big lunch. It's, it's the same thing, really. It's the same cause. Um, now, there are some people that will have a big meal and it can affect their sleep. Um, it can make them sweat. It can make them uncomfortable. And that might be your issue, Garrett. Um, so what I would do is instead of having that big meal um, after your workout very late, what I'd do is I'd just have, uh, I'd split that up into two meals, one before your workout or earlier on um, in the evening or late afternoon, and then one after you work out. Now, there's not a m- magic way of splitting that up. Just split that up as how you think best. Um, you've asked me how much protein I would recommend. Um, I mean, 
okay, so you could go with, um, let's say 40 grams of protein minimum. Let's stick that arbitrary figure on there. All right. And then you could have like some fruit or yogurt, whatever you feel, if you want that as a minimum. Um, yeah, I hope that's helpful. Robert Tucker asks, any more word on the forthcoming updates to the Muslim strength pyramids? In other words, hurry up and take my dollars. Okay, so Robert's asking about the books I did with Eric Helms and Andrea Valdez called The Muscle and Strength Pyramids. If you add a .com to that, you can go and check them out. Um, we will be doing a second edition of those, and it will be out next year. Not sure when exactly yet, um, but not before the summer. Or rather, I should say, at the summer, at the earliest, um, we want to do um, physical and we want to do audio books as well this time to have those as options for people. But we need to work out how we're going to do that. Um, so thanks for the question, Robert. Piero Linares asks, hello, Andy, I'm finishing a bulk phase next week. After eight months, now I want to change for a cut. What kind of workout would you recommend to me to use in this phase? Okay, Pierre, basically I'd recommend if your workout previously was working, which I assume it was, do the same, but slightly less. That's it. So when you're in a uh, calorie deficit, caloric deficit, your ability to recover is lower. However, um, that doesn't mean that you have to completely change up your workouts. It just means that you can taper the volume down just a little. Um, I mean, the first thing you could do is try continuing the workout as it is and see if you still manage to keep progressing. You might find that the volume is a little bit too much. And the simplest way of adjusting that is taking one set off your main lifts and then seeing how you do. I hope that helps. Kenneth asks, coming back from a four-day vacation, a full diet break, how should we expect those extra, the extra weight from water and glycogen to wash off? So between three and seven days, you're just going to see your weight go straight off. This is assuming that you're in a dieting phase and assuming that when you were on holiday, um, you kind of ate a lot. You started eating, um, um, you had more carbohydrate in your diet. You can expect to see that come off because you would have gained a lot of weight then, which will have been mostly water. Holger Dumsky asks, how would you structure ma macro and meso cycles? How would you train a power, power building phase? Yeah, cool. Um, I've got a book for that. Go to muscleandstrengthpyramids.com. Boom. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, man. I, it's, those are some big questions. And um, really to answer those, you need to do some reading. Um, Yes, we've talked about those in the books. Okay, Ali Abdelkalek asks, uh, on your cardio article, you said that training three times a week would be more than enough on a cutting phase. Um, Steve Hall, for example, recommends that hypertrophy-style training should be done while cutting. How do you think about that? Because I'm a bit confused. Um, I don't know if I said that um, three times a week would be more than enough. There are some quotes in there from different people. So you might be confusing that with what I've said. Um, in a cutting phase, just my advice is generally do a little bit less than you were for the bulk and see how you get along. 
Andreas Saris says, Hi Andy, I have a question when dieting. When specifically starting off dieting, is it a good idea to jump into actual muscle building program with the highest volume? I'm going to stop reading there. Okay, so... I, these I've had pretty much three very similar questions here. Don't make jumps, make tweaks. So choose a program that you think is at a level of volume that's going to suit you and then tweak it from there based on how you progress. So this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to think of things. If you are not progressing, you can either increase volume or you can reduce volume. Now that might sound counterintuitive, but here's the way I think about it. You may not be progressing because you might not be doing enough, in which case you want to do more. In a few cases, you may be doing too much, and that's why you're not progressing, and you might want to do less. How do you tell? Well, there isn't any way to tell exactly, but soreness can be a good guide here. So if you find yourself really, really sore and unable to perform, that could be a sign that the reason you're progressing is that the volume is too great and you want to reduce that. And a simple way is just to reduce your lifts by a set. Now, if you find that you're not sore and you're not progressing, well, that's a sign that maybe you want to increase the volume that you're performing. And a simple way of doing that is to increase, add in a set to your lifts. You could, of course, add in other exercises as well. Dan Thorpe says, what, what is the cheapest source of healthy protein and where can I get it in the UK? Um, Dan, I live in Japan. Um, for me, it is still uh, whey protein and that's imported from the States um, or uh, chicken breast. Now, um, for you in the UK, I imagine it would be a similar story. Chicken breast and whey protein. Dave Coleman says, Hi Andy, I've got stubborn carbs. Any ideas or is it just purely down to genetics? Well, Dave, um, a lot of things are down to genetics. Um, this could be down to genetics. If you're starting out with crap carbs, ask yourself first, is that because I haven't been training them? And if the answer to that is no, well then it is possibly that you just have bad genetics for carbs. However, like anything, you can improve. So try doing some more and see if that gets you growing. But don't expect to see huge differences. Nobody's carbs balloon overnight. Elton Young asks, is high protein dosage an issue? I'm doing a slow bulk and I've kept the carbs and fats moderate and I'm making up the shortfall with protein, which works out to roughly 3.5 grams per kilogram. I read somewhere that protein was a good thing as you age. Well, protein is a good thing as you age, but 3.5 grams a kilogram is quite high. Um, that's, it's not going to be bad for your health, but it is going to be expensive. So that's one drawback. Um, if you're feeling full of energy for your workouts, then it's fine. If you're not, then you might want to dial down the protein. Two grams per kilogram is going to be fine. 2.5 grams per, nah, two grams per kilogram when you're bulking is going to be fine. And uh, for those listening um, who work in the imperial system, that'll be about a, a pound a gram. Boringly, uh, that there's, <laughs> there's more on this uh, in my setup guide if you want to get into the... Uh, details but that's enough um 
that's a good general guideline, I should say. Now, if Elton was cutting, um, having two, having that high of a protein intake is going to be a bad thing because it's going to cut into your calorie budget and means you will have to eat fewer carbs and fats. And that's not a good thing because you want carbs to fuel your workouts, which is arguably high intensity of training, solid training. Being able to train hard is the biggest factor for holding on to muscle mass when you diet. And uh, that is above protein intake itself and carbohydrate. You kind of need that. Um, and your fats, they're important hormonally. So you, if you have a very high protein intake, it could force you to go lower than is optimal with your carbohydrate and fat intake. So I would watch that. Um, keep it at around... around <laughs> I can't even remember what we've got written in a book now, but it's something like uh, 2.5 grams um, uh, per kilogram when cutting. Somewhere around that range, we've got a range that we've written. And then... Uh, that would be what 1.1 to 1.3 um, grams per pound, something like that. Um, for those that think in pounds, um, the one thing I will say, Elton, is that as you age, um, to kick off uh, muscle protein synthesis, you need um, it seems that you need a higher leucine trigger, which basically needs that you mean you need higher doses in any single protein in any single um, meal. So whereas younger people, they will only need, say, 25 grams of high quality protein to kick off muscle protein synthesis. As you age, you'd need a bit more. So. Practically, if you're eating, say, 160, kilo, uh, 160 grams of protein a day, you wouldn't want to split that into any f more than four meals, okay? So make sure you're having at least 40 grams of protein in your meals. Donato Rision asks, do you think anyone, especially skinny fat people, can diet to 10% on their first cut? Yes, Anybody can diet to 10% body fat on their first cut. The only question is, will you be happy when you get to that level of body fat? Whether you'll be happy or not is a very subjective thing, but it depends on your current muscle mass levels and what you can achieve on your way to getting cut. Now, I've worked with plenty of people who have cut for the first time. And speak of the devil, that's Mark Manson giving me a text. <laughs> um, you can, um, sorry about that interruption. You can, I, I entirely lost my chain of thought, bear with me. So I've worked with plenty of people who have cut down to shreds and it's been their first cut. Um, now, whether the reason that I did that with them is because I had a good conversation with them talking about what they wanted to look like, where they were currently at, and whether those goals would match up. Because really, 10% body fat is very, very low. And if you get down to, say, 13 12% body fat, and, you know, you're fairly lean, but you don't feel that you have a lot of muscle, then you could, you could bulk from there. That would be fine. Um, but to answer the question succinctly, 
do I think anyone can diet down to 10% on the first cut? Anybody can diet down to 10% on their first cut. That's not the point. The point is, will you be happy at that level of body fat? And if you're skinny fat, probably not. You'll probably want to go and then bulk. I have uh, some articles on the website um, talking about um, goal setting. So you can find my guide on setting goals, realistic goals for yourself. Um, If you go to the nutrition menu tab and then click the fifth item, it's called how to set realistic goals. And I've got a series called the nine categories of trainee, their mistakes, how to avoid them and what you can achieve when you get things right. I hope that's helpful for you. Amber Shaw says, dumbbell reverse rows, best on incline bench or standing with a bent stance? You can do either. You might find that as the weight um, increases, um, you need to use a bench. Um, If you think about the angles, they are working your back with a slightly different angle. So it depends where you want to focus on. Um, If, uh, and that's, that's not really something you really need to worry about. Do what you enjoy and feels comfortable. Next one, Naz. Hi, Andy. I've read The Last Shred and loved the coaching tips embedded in it. Thank you so much. Apart from the coaching application page, do you actively seek clients or is there a waiting list large enough? Um, if you need to seek clients, how do you go about it? Um, Naz, so I've been very fortunate in that I haven't needed to do any advertising. The blog itself, and when people share my writing, it has just generated enough applicants naturally. Um, I've just been very, very open with um, the methods and how I do things and how I work with clients, and I've written with it. And a very small percentage of people decide to hire me, and that small percentage uh, is enough. Um, Yeah, so I haven't actually had to do any advertising, so... I don't really know how to go about seeking clients other than to write and put your heart down on a page. Be open and leave a trail of helpfulness across the internet. So you'll see if you go onto the website, you'll see I've answered 22,000, I think, uh, comments. And you'll see that pretty much all of them have been answered within two days and I always try and be very helpful there just like I try and be helpful on Facebook of course sometimes it's overwhelming you can't catch everyone you can't help everyone but if you just do your best then I'm of the opinion that if you do your best you show that you care cream rises to the top good things will happen people will recognize that I'm not sure if that's the answer you're looking for but I hope that helps Ben Jamming uh, says, uh, how should one go about looking fullest for a certain event in regards to glycogen repletion, sodium intake and whatever? Um, I wouldn't mess with those things unless you have um, enough time, enough, and I mean weeks, to play around and do those things. Um, actually, Eric Helms has a good paper on this um, evidence-based physique contest preparation something like that if you google that it'll come up um you can read his paper on that that's not to say there aren't tips and tricks but just those tips and tricks can often go wrong without experience so um it's really just trial and error 
Summit says, uh, do you prefer to lock out or stop just before the lockout, keeping that bend in the elbows when doing dumbbell chest press and shoulder press? What would be the impact of both scenarios, i.e. lockout versus no lockout, on A, joint health, and B, hypertrophy? I imagine for joint health, it's going to be very similar, unless you're very jarring with the lockouts. And for hypertrophy, um, I don't think there will be a massive difference. I think you'll feel much more of a pump if you don't lock out um, completely. But I think that the total amount of work you're probably going to be able to do is lower. So, hmm, metabolic stress is going to be higher with the non-lockout, but the mechanical tension overall delivered lower. Mechanical tension is arguably more important. I'd say locking out is marginally more important, but doesn't feel as good. All right. <laughs> I don't know if that's right, but that's kind of the logic that I'm going through. Thanks for the question, Summit. Will says, you coach your clients with both diet and exercise. Do you use RPE with your clients and how do you employ it? Yeah, yeah, I do. Absolutely. Um, if you go to um, the website, ribbody.com forward slash progression, um, you can see I've got an article there on it. And yeah, on Pretty much all of the training articles, you'll see a box at the end. Um, there's a course on how to implement RPE that Eric Helms and myself have put together for you. It's a free email course. Um, I hope that helps, Will. Igor says, do you still think dips are dangerous? Um, okay, this, you're kind of misquoting me there. I think that um, dips, they lead to injuries. Um, they have a high injury risk rate. And therefore, if you can get the same effect with other exercises, why risk it? Okay, it looks cool and it feels good. I get it. But I don't see the point in risking your shoulder health when other exercises can get the job done just as well. That's all I'm saying there. Okay, and lastly, Vital, he says, is there a problem making cluster sets instead of regular sets when the weight is heavy? i.e. when going to six plus reps. So I think what he's saying is here, is it okay to do, let's say you've got a rep target of 12, you do six, pause for a few seconds, get catch your breath, do another three, pause for a few seconds, catch your breath, do another two, and another two, and then what, two, however many we've got left? No. Anyway, my math was wrong there, but you get the point. So, yeah, you can do that. You're going to get your reps, but you... If you start doing that, you're going to struggle to track whether you've really progressed or whether you are just taking more rest between sets. Um, if you're highly diligent about your tracking, you could do it. Um, if you just want to track total reps done with a certain weight in your week, if you want to do it that way, that's fine. Um, but I... I wouldn't do that because it can just get messier. All right, that's it. Uh, thank you very much for the questions. Um, if you want to go to um, Facebook and then type in the ripbody.com family, um, you're welcome to join our Facebook group and answer questions there once a week. Um, if you would like to have a look at the other podcast interviews that we've got, go to ripbody.com forward slash podcast. You'll see at the top there, I've put in my favorite um, podcast interviews, or rather, not my, 
of course, everybody's my favorite. I mean, I have put up there um, the top uh, podcast interviews, the most listened to podcast interviews. So check that out and you can subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe if you have enjoyed this. If you think people, someone that you know would benefit from it, please uh, text them. Uh, the, text them the episode or text them the podcast and let them know. That would be really appreciated. I'll catch you very soon. Thank you.